Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. I swear, whenever you commit to posting a podcast every day, no matter what, you find yourself in strange situations. And I am currently giving you a podcast today from a bathroom that I am located in at this moment. I'm sharing a hotel room with my wife, and uh, she's watching TV. And after a long day of traveling, probably the last thing she ever wants to do is hear me do a podcast. And I like to keep her happy. And one of the reasons why I like to keep her happy uh, this will be an interesting segue. All right, I don't know how to do this joke, but I'm going to keep going. So when we think about our partners, we always want to keep them happy, understand what's going on with them. And the story I bring you today is one that is fairly recent. It's one that, in my mind, makes no sense. And it really makes you wonder what the human mind thinks whenever they go through the process of thinking of actually killing their husband. What that entails. Especially killing your husband knowing you have three kids. And then getting to a point where you think the best thing you could do within this situation is to write a child's grieving book on how to process grieving when your father dies. I uh, I don't even know where to begin, but let's get into it. Yeah, so this story is one that is just, I can't even really comprehend it. I mean, could you imagine, I mean, I can't comprehend the possibilities of when people feel the need they need to kill their partner for financial gain. I mean, we see it a lot. Statistically speaking, people wanting to get life insurance policies, maybe thinking about having um, a significant other they want to be with. And for whatever reason, what happens in the human mind is they think the best situation in order to get out of a relationship they don't belong in is doing it via murder. Um, and it just doesn't... I, I just... I like I can't really comprehend it. I mean, it's... It's pretty out there for me. And one that I think this one is really taking place is probably the most extreme one I've covered in a while. And I've covered a few of these stories just based on the simple fact of what's going on. So if we think about this, we look at Corey Corey Richardson, and she was located in Utah. What happened is she was married to her husband, who was 39, and she was 33. His name was Eric Richardson. And on some levels, he, ex- he suspected that potentially his wife was having an, a, an affair or a, another relationship. And as a result of this, what she did back in March of 2022 is she would have ended up poisoning him via fentanyl. Not once, trying it twice. So... Whenever the doctor looked at the legal limit to determine how much fentanyl was in Eric's system, 
They came up and determined that it was five times the legal amount, like five times the lethal amount. And remember, fentanyl is something that it doesn't take much to kill you. As we look at this situation, what we really find is that he was laying in bed watching TV and he asked his wife to make him a Moscow mule. After drinking that Moscow mule, he unfortunately would have passed away. Now, what makes the situation so crazy is that it went on for a year. And how she processed it was literally by writing a book. And I'm going to go ahead and play you an audio from her talking about it. The death as shocking and unexpected. He was 39. It completely took us all by shock. Um, and we have three little boys, 10, 9, and 6. And, um, you know, we kind of, my kids and I kind of wrote this book on the different emotions and grieving processes that we've experienced last year. Dad is still here. It's just in a different way. So when I kind of look into this story, it's one that's like... I think it's probably pretty surprising, but, you know, I went online to look at the actual book to see if I could find it, and there's people already writing Google reviews, and they're pretty, um, well, I'll just read one. This is from Anthony Grills, and he gives the book one star, and he says, the author has been arrested by police and been charged with murder for her husband. As a published author myself, I can't imagine a story as crazy as this one. An aligned murder, writing a book about grieving um, and her husband and adapting the murder. It's like a Stephen King model, a novel. It's worse than a Stephen King novel. This is like a weird, crazy book. I don't even know what to put in context. This person gave it five stars and said, A book written from the heart of a grieving wife of her children. Not really... This is a general dribble from a mind of a narcissistic killer, and she needs more spotlight on herself. The ultimate victim and the circumstances took, took her, so he called it grief, and cashed in. Imagine if your wife killed you, okay? Obviously, you're not here anymore. And then what she did as a means to deal with it is write a book about it and then put you on the cover of the book. Yes, he is on the cover, like in heaven, as a kid is running and it says, you're with me. And then go on book tour and not think anything of it. I mean, if I was a murder psychologist, I would definitely want to interview this woman to determine what's going on upstairs. All right, I'll read you one more Google review that someone put on here within the last 21 hours. If you have this book, throw it in the trash, burn it, it would be better, okay? This says, it's a great book about dealing with losing a loved one. Even work if you are the one that murders them. Damn. That is, oh my gosh, I might have to just go ahead and put a little sound effect in there. Oh, we get it. Okay. It says, I think it's great. So anyways, so people on these Google reviews just really going in and kind of working out their frustration. I actually try to see if I could potentially find this book somewhere, but you can't. It's like not possible. So when, like, if I ask Google a question and it's really determining on how it feels like, you know, women always use poison as a means to kill.
kill their husbands. And it's really interesting to think, like, I don't know. I wish, like, if there's, is there, like, a, a class that could help you determine if someone's going to actually do that? Because what it determines is it's the percentages are pretty high. If you say something like, so I've been recording all over the place, and I actually was recording a portion of the podcast, and I went ahead and checked it, and uh, it wasn't recording. So that happens. But I kind of want to give you five, another five situations where the wives were actually poisoned their husbands, and this podcast really is for you husbands out there. Always be vigilant. You never know. And if you're a bad husband, be double vigilant. Double vigilant. Double Vigilant. Vigilant. Don't mind that person. <laughs> okay. So number five, we have Stacy Castor. Now, what we're really understanding about poisoning is that when someone wants to poison you, they're going to be very, very creative. The fentanyl situation was a lot. But if we look at this, there's one thing we have to always understand, that antifreeze will kill you. And Stacy Castor used a creative means in which she would kill her husband. She would actually do it on August 26, 20, August 22, 2005. And she would mix him two drinks using antifreeze. This kind of sounds like a um, what? <laughs> when your wife says that, it's a little bit scary. <laughs> it's not a tutorial, babe. No, you don't. She's saying she'll have to listen to this episode again. All right. That's not funny. But you know what? We have proof with this podcast. That's all I'm going to say. So what she did is she mixed the drink. And what happened is she used the antifreeze to kill both her husband and trying to kill her daughter's friend. Well, it doesn't really say, baby. I'm just chill out there. All right. Investigators went in the house and they found a a found a cup of antifreeze next to her dead body. So I guess she must have killed herself as well, and they ruled it a death suicide. However, something didn't quite add up right. Growing suspicion of Castor, they found that the the body of her first husband, who had died from a heart attack five years in her system, had also found antifreeze. So they were thinking that he actually died via um, like a suicide, but she determined that her first husband died the same way. So they, 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 they probably got her on two. If you kill two husbands, isn't it a mistake enough? She then tried to dose her for her freaking daughter, Ashley, the night the police came in. So that's pretty insane that she would kill two husbands and then try to, to freaking murder her daughter. I just can't believe it. Ashley's, so then it happened, Castor then tried to, in prison, she tried to commit suicide, she crushed pills in her vodka, and Ashley said that it was a suicide attempt. Castor was sentenced to 51 years, and she died from a heart attack seven years later. No one checked for antifreeze. Ha 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 ha. No, I read it wrong. So what happened is they thought the husband had committed suicide, and then they double, did a double check on the... And the, then did the no, she didn't die. So originally what happened is they checked for... They found like high levels of antifreeze and come to find out the um, dad, the father, the first marriage of the husband 
also had it. All right, moving on to number four, Mary Ann Gearing. Mary Ann and Richard Gearing didn't have the happiest of marriage, but it wasn't the worst either. Together, they had plenty of children, and they lived a financially secure life back in the olden days of 1846. Richard in here inherited, I guess, this like 20000 or 2000 let's just say $20,000, and that was pretty impressive inheritance back then. For some, it's the perfect reason to commit murder. Mary Ann is some... In this case, it has some in parentheses. Are you, do you just want to come over here and talk in my microphone? If you want, just come over here and read it. It's like weird how you're super into this. <laughs> okay. Mary Ann and Richard Gearing didn't have the happiest of marriages, but it wasn't the worst either. Together, they had plenty of children and had a financially secure life. In 1846, Richard inherited 20, it just says pounds, <laughs> 20 pounds, <laughs> but it doesn't say if it's like 20,000 or what. It just says 20 pounds. I know, that's why I put um 20, Yeah. whatever. That was a pretty So impressive. I read that just like that. Just... You said dollars and it's pounds. Okay, it didn't matter. <laughs> All right, I read it just fine. I just. That was a pretty impressive inheritance back then. Oh, maybe it is just 20 pounds. What year is this? For 1856? 1846. 20 pounds may have been a lot of money. It couldn't have been a lot of money. Okay, well, here we go. That was a pretty impressive inheritance back then. For some, it's the perfect reason to commit murder. Mary Ann is some in this case. For like oh okay now it, we get whites in parentheses because it says for some and then it's saying she is the sum in this case I guess <laughs> I, don't, I don't two years later her husband succumbed to a painful illness thought to be heart disease a couple of months later both Gearing's twenty one year old and twenty six year old sons died from a similar illness. When Benjamin, her 18-year-old son, fell ill soon after, a doctor removed him from the home. Benjamin recovered. Now, when someone recovers from an illness that everyone is affected by, but a possibly, a possibly inherent... This is not written correctly. Just a moment. Now, when someone recovers from an illness that everyone is affected by, but a possibly inheritance-crazed individual... You should probably look at that inheritance. The whole 20 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Investigators exhumed the bodies of Gearing's husband and two sons and found... Drum roll, please. I don't have a drum roll. Well, do something. Um, Maybe a gunshot. Found arsenic in their systems. They also discovered that Mary Ann had purchased arsenic from a nearby chemist. Is that like going to a pharmacist? Are pharmacists really just chemists? Well, probably back then they were just called chemists. 
she found I'm sorry, she confessed to poisoning her husband and sons at her trial. Mary Ann was hung on August twenty first, eighteen forty nine. For twenty pounds. Which was probably only like twenty grand back then. No way that there's that much of a income disparity. Is that the right word? Inflation. There's no way that that's how much the inflation is. Twenty pounds can't be. Can't so, be twenty thousand. Or twenty million. It no, no, no. Maybe. Maybe it was just two hundred. That's insane. All right, what's the next one? Wait, let's let's look this up. What are you looking up? I don't know how to use your phone, to be honest. It's so different from mine. It's literally an Apple phone, just like yours. So currently, as she's looking it up, um, she's looking up the price disparity of what 20 pounds would be. Um, I Hopefully, she's not looking up where she could purchase ar- arsenic. Hey, Siri. Chemist near me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not funny. That is not funny. Why... Why would you make that joke? <laughs> okay, hang on. Just don't write a book about 20, me after. 20 pounds in 1856, was it? 1846. 1846 to... Wait, I don't even know how to ask this question. All you have to do is how much was 20 pounds equivalent to, to $20 now? And that would give you the best pricing of it. Hopefully Google gets me. The U.S. dollar. No, this is I've asked the pounds. Well, just do the dollar. Okay. I'm... All right. It says one hundred pounds in eighteen forty six is worth fourteen thousand pounds today. Fourteen thousand nine hundred. Sorry, fourteen thousand nine hundred and four. So twenty pounds would have been like. So twenty pounds would have been twenty eight thousand. No, basically thirty thousand. Thirty thousand dollars. Yeah. So, 100 pounds in 1846 is worth 14,914. So, that means 200 would have equaled... Oh, wait, but it wasn't 200. It was 20. Correct. So, it would have been... Let's like, see the math. You just... What's 20% of 1,400? Is how you have to do it. No, but it's not 1,400. Oh. So, it would have been about six grand. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, because twenty percent would be fifty percent would be a. So this like, isn't a math podcast, Natalie. <laughs> All right, let's read one more. I'm just kidding. Don't 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 be like that. I gotta go. All right, go to the next one. So cruel to me. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> you see what I have to deal with? That's it's probably around six grand. I'm sure some of my followers. <laughs> but okay. I think it's more like 2000. 2000. Okay. What is 50% of 14,000? 7,000. Okay. No. Yes. I mean, yes, it's 7,000. So then, so then half of 7,000 would be what? Like 3,500. Okay, so 3,500. Okay, so you were wrong and I was closest to being right okay and i have no problem admitting when i'm wrong <laughs> okay as long as that's cool um are we going to this one uh actually how much time have we let's see how much we've talked because we might be getting to that point 
we can probably go ahead and just move. And yeah, let's just go to let's go straight to number one. All right. Um, it's the other way. Number one. Oh God, what is that? Uh. Number one, Sancha Tinebrand. If you like your husband, <laughs> if you feel like your husband is a pest, don't poison him with boric acid. Maybe divorce him or go to marriage counseling. Well, one Queens, New York woman thought boric acid, a cockroach killer, was the better solution. Sancha Tinebrand's husband of 11 years Robert Barron noticed that his food tasted funny and he often felt sick after meals. Suspicious, he installed a security camera. What did he see? Sancha slipping some boric acid into his coffee. When confronted by police, Sancha said that she only slipped the poison into his meal. When she was angry at him. <laughs> I wanted to teach him a lesson. Lesson learned. Robert didn't die, but he certainly learned not to trust his wife. I mean, I just don't understand the poisoning thing. Like, I wonder what type of personality type as a partner or as a, like, you sleep by this person every day. Like, going back to the situation with this Corey author poisoning her husband to write a book, it's just, it's craziness. It's so crazy. Like, as a woman, what is your, what is your thoughts on I this? I think she probably would have to be, like, um, a narcissist or something, right? Like, you want all that attention. Yeah, but what's so crazy is if, sociopath. if you look at the book, like if, if you look at the book, she literally has like a little cartoon version of her husband like in, in heaven, yeah. and the kids running and playing. She's trying to do a hard sale. But it's like what that? Could you imagine? Hey Siri, had her right books. <laughs> oh my gosh! Alrighty, well, <laughs> that's so okay. All right, well, hopefully I will be doing another podcast tomorrow. <laughs> um, is there any closing arguments or any closing remarks from you, my lady? I'm obviously making little jokes here and there, but this is really serious and really sad. And I'm only jumping in the last, like, five minutes. I don't know what the tone was the first half of the podcast, and I'm obviously not trying to make light of a really serious situation. So, you know, thinking of those kids... From the original story. Exactly. Could you imagine them kids? Like I don't know. It's really, really hard, and I hope they get the uh, the support and the help that they need. Honestly, because that's super traumatic. Alrighty. Well, thank you so much for listening, and we'll get back to you tomorrow. <laughs>